everyone and welcome back to another episode of a chat about history with me Tom. So today I'm looking at democracy in Bolivia and the United States. So most of the podcast will be looking at the democratic process in Bolivia and then we'll be looking at how that is reflected or mirrored in the US election uh, that has just taken place and the involvement the US has had in regards to democracy in Bolivia. So the episode will look at the fragility of democracy and how it's open to manipulation and also the hypocrisy that's kind of innate in the United States uh, rhetoric of being this championing championing power for democracy around the world uh, whilst simultaneously not, not acting out on those promises and in fact it's almost going in the opposite direction against democracy in this case in Bolivia. So to provide a bit of context, first of all, to um, the the topics I'm going to be talking about. So we've just had the US election where Biden has has won and been declared the winner. Uh, but Trump is alleging electoral fraud, uh, claim uh, in claiming claiming that there's been widespread electoral fraud, particularly around postal votes, and he's filing lawsuits in a in a multiple states. Uh, claiming this electoral flaw without any any evidence of it actually taking place, and then equally we've just had the less well publicised uh, elections in Bolivia that took place in late October, where Luis Arce of the MAS party won the election by a significant margin, and that's following on from another member of a number another member of his party, Evo Morales. Uh, who was forced to resign on the 10th of November 2019, uh, also from the Mass Party, after allegations of electoral fraud following his election. And then there was an interim government of uh, a far-right party, which was run by Janine Añez, um, whilst Mass uh, is a socialist left-wing party. So it was obviously a drastic shift in policy after Evo Morales was forced to resign. So if we take this back to to where it all started, I guess, with Evo Morales' election in tw- 2005, where he achieved 54% of the vote, and then his, in his uh, next two elections, he equally achieved uh, over 60% of the vote, so even greater margins, uh, before, in 2019, he was ousted after the elections were declared fraudulent. So during Evo Morales' presidency of Bolivia, uh, he he was he obviously championed championed the cause of socialism, and this is uh, shown in his policies to to quite a great degree. In that extreme poverty dropped from thirty eight percent in two thousand and six to seventeen percent in twenty eighteen, and just normal poverty dropped by forty two percent over his presidency. He was also the first indigenous president of Bolivia, so he championed the cause of the indigenous population. But all of these policies to some extent were combined with other policies that were at odds with the interests of the United States, particularly his support for cocoa production uh, in 2017, which he doubled the area in which people could legally plant cocoa crops in Bolivia. Uh, And cocoa is what the drug cocaine derives from, but is also used widely in Bolivia for a, a plethora of purposes, such as just to chew on, making tea, fighting altitude sickness, suppressing hunger, 
and many other things. So the US argued this would boost the illegal drugs trade, obviously particularly in cocaine, uh, whereas Morales held that this was supporting the interests of his country in that they legally used this good and there was a market for it in the country. And Morales had close ties with the cocoa industry before he was elected president. But possibly the most contentious issue around Evo Morales's presidency was obviously the election that was declared fraudulent and the immediately preceding months where he he so he'd already stood for the the legal limit of terms and he enacted a referendum nationally on whether or not he should be allowed to stand for a fourth uh, fourth election uh, and this and the referendum uh, was rejected by the population who said he should not be able to stand however he then took it to the courts who said that legally he, he still had the right to stand so so you can see here there's a little bit of dubious reliability and legality around his standing for the fourth election in that the public hadn't necessarily given him the mandate from the referendum. However, legally, he did have the mandate to stand. And also, you know, the questions around who would have turned up for this referendum, you always have where possibly people who are more opposed to it would have stood rather than those who were happy accepting the status quo that even Morales would just keep standing. Or, sorry, the status quo was that he'd have to stop standing, but by which I mean they were happy with him standing and they had no strong views on the matter. So obviously this election then took place and Eva Morales was able to stand and he declared an electoral victory and I think all the all the polls suggested that he had an electoral victory. However there were then allegations of electoral fraud cast towards Morales and the military leaders in Bolivia called on Morales to resign at which point he immediately did. So this other people had called for Morales to resign, such as the far right and even a few unions. However, the fact that Morales decided to resign specifically and immediately after the military call for this clearly shows that this was primarily motivated by the military and fear of a military coup, which basically did take place in that Morales was forced to resign. However, this military coup was welcomed by the Trump administration in America, saying it was preser preserving democracy. And equally, Bolsonaro in Brazil praised it as championing democracy rather than strictly going against it. And Morales had called for new elections. Uh, so he'd even said, if, if, if these elections are really fraudulent, then we can have new elections. That's what everyone thinks. But instead, the military immediately ousted him out. And that took place. So here, obviously, the involvement of the military naturally is undemocratic and that the military should not have such undue power over the democratic process, which in, in itself shows that it was a lot closer to a military coup than you'd hope in a free and democratic process. But also you've got to look at whether the elections were actually fraudulent. Because obviously, if we just took Trump's word for the elections in America right now, then we would think be saying they're fraudulent. So if we look at the who declared the elections as fraudulent back in 2019, so the OAS which is uh, the Organization of American States and has is heavily influenced by the United States uh, to claim the electorons were, were fraudulent because the vote count on live TV had been interrupted. Uh, and then the OAS did, did some research into this, supposedly, and then, without providing any evidence, said the elections are fraudulent, and then, obviously, the opposition party who had lost claimed the elections were fraudulent as... 
excuse me, uh, Trump is doing today. But then when one actually looks into the the evidence surrounding these elections being fraudulent, it is practically non-existent in that Morales' margin in the remaining areas for votes to be counted uh, was 22%. So he had a 22% margin of victory in the areas that still had to be counted, whilst his overall margin was 7.9%, showing... Uh, and that margin of 22% was calculated from the broadcast of the votes before it was interrupted, uh, which no one has questioned the reliability of. So, to put this in to put this in more more understandable terms, this would be like Trump stopping the election uh, when the postal ballots hadn't come in yet, because obviously the postal ballots were weighted very heavily in favour of Biden. Uh, as he'd encouraged Democrats to vote by post, whilst Trump had actively encouraged Republicans to vote by the day, uh, vote on the day. Sorry, or alternatively, it would be like uh, counting counting all the votes before any of the votes had come in from the cities in Georgia. Let's say, like before we'd counted Atlanta. So it's it's it would it basically it is basically like they counted the elections of Morales's uh, the pro Morales areas afterwards which would naturally mean that his vote count will increase over the progression of the electoral count. So following this, 133 economists and statisticians published a letter to the OAS saying that this there was uh, a lack of evidence for any evidence for electoral fraud. Uh, but the OAS denied this, and they haven't really commented on the issue specifically, apart from saying that the electoral elections were fraudulent. So this clearly shows that the OAS had had an agenda, most probably influenced by the United States in opposing Morales' presidency as a left-wing socialist government within Bolivia and South America more widely, uh, clearly showing the agenda of the OAS to, 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 in this case, deny democracy. Emphasised even more by the fact that not only the elections were denied, they weren't even recast, and simply even Morales was um, was exiled, and he had to go and live in Argentina whilst an interim government was appointed. And that interim government was run by Janine Añez, who is a far who was from the far right par party. And whilst her mandate was just to reschedule peaceful elections, uh, she actually enacted a oppressive policy during this time rather than just following her mandate to organise new elections, which were then postponed three times due to the coronavirus pandemic that have eventually taken place. So just some examples of the rhetoric she was using whilst in office was calling relig indigenous religion practices satanic, and she warned of savages returning to power, which was referenced to the fact that Morales uh, was the first indigenous uh, president of Bolivia. But eventually these elections did take place, in which Ginny Nanez, uh, she pulled out at the last minute and didn't actually stand for the far-right candidacy, but there was a far-right candidate on the ballot. However, Luis Arce had a specifically decisive victory for the Mass Socialist Party, uh, with a 26.3% margin within the uh, margin of victory over the second-last uh, candidate on the ballot, and the voter turnout overall was 88.4%, showing a very clear show of support for uh, Arce and the mass party that Morales had been a part of uh, but from the Bolivian people. 
So that's kind of tracking that that process there of Bolivian democracy. And I think now we just need to look at in more depth at this kind of role of the United States here and it, how this kind of fits into the imperial nature of the United States power. So the United States is a very clear rhetoric of championing democracy and freedom globally. But here we can see they're actually opposing it in reality. And equally, assuming they can't achieve freedom and democracy, or at least widely accepted freedom and democracy, even in their own country, as we're seeing right now with the uh, debate that's going on over Trump and Biden, and whether the elections were invalid or valid. But equally, so whilst we can see that Trump obviously supports his interests in the case of the American election, most probably, and in the case of Bolivia, there's also a degree of hypocrisy from those who are currently saying that uh, Biden, you know, Biden won this election fairly with champion democracy, democracy rules. But where was, where were most of these people when Bolivian democracy was at risk? And it's the, the classic case of, you know, doesn't doesn't matter what goes on elsewhere as long as I think everything's fine and it and it affects me, which you know you can argue is is just natural self interest. But especially when the U.S. has taken the role that it claims to have of the almost global hegemon right now, uh, I, I you can argue clearly it's an abdication of duty from the United States, but equally just an abdication of duty from humanity to try and preserve democracy around the world where it is functional present and wanted which is you know in Bolivia there was a democracy it did function well and you know the population wanted democracy so I think what I'm really trying to do here is just in this instance expose the kind of veneers of legitimacy that America paints over its uh, dominance uh, when actually it kind of has very much self-centered imperial imperial goals and that's not trying to discredit America in comparison to other other imperial powers, contemporary powers to the world today. But I think to some extent what, what I'm trying to do is cast a bit of doubt over impressions we get of America as this, uh, you know, free champion of freedom and freedom and democracy and expose the kind of hypocrisy that's innate within the American treatment of countries that it doesn't deem worthy of democracy in Bolivia or deems them merely worthy of serving the American interests, whilst in their own country, democracy is seen as such uh, a you know pillar of society and something they pride themselves on. So I think that's, that's kind of wrapped it all up for today in terms of how the American uh, influence on Bolivia and you know the fragility of democracy globally right now and how it's uh, at risk from people people claiming illegitimacy and ultimately that to safeguard democracy where we live it, it would only help to try and safeguard democracy around the world. So thank you very much for listening and I hope you enjoyed and please check out my other episodes, uh, subscribe, leave, leave a rating and a review and get in touch if you'd like to ask any questions or leave any feedback. So thank you very much for listening.